Okay, the seven dwarfs. Who thinks they could name all seven? Not anymore. That's not actually one of their names, not anymore. <laughs> Anybody think? Okay, Grumpy? Sleepy? Eli? All right, all right, I'll help you out. I, I have a cheat sheet here. So here they all are, and um, obviously each dwarf, that's right, right? You're not going to say, your list is wrong, Dave. No, I think this is right. Uh, so each dwarf, it wasn't just a name. Each dwarf describes who they are. And so, obviously, uh, Sneezy was sneezing all the time. Sleepy was sleeping all the time. You get the idea. So when it comes to names, in that story, the names actually meant something. It wasn't just about having a name that sounded good. So as we've been unpacking this idea of the ghosts of Christmas past, this morning we're going to be talking about labels, or we could say names, and we're going to see that sometimes in our lives, you and I are given a label, given a name, and it can hurt. It can stick. Sometimes we grow into that name, and that name becomes almost like a prophecy that we become that name, that nickname, and it hurts us. Or on the other side, sometimes you and I get a nickname and actually, we're kind of cool with the nickname and actually means something positive. I remember when I was playing lacrosse in high school, uh, I got this nickname, and I can't repeat it in this audience, but I thought it was okay. I liked having that nickname. So we can have nicknames that we like and sometimes nicknames that we don't, and sometimes those uh, labels uh, start to stick. And again, that could be a positive or a negative thing. So as we think about Christmas and we think about uh, ghosts of Christmas past, they're basically ideas, they're concepts that have, in a sense, stuck to our lives, stuck to our identity at some level, and sometimes we're held captive by them rather than freed by them. And this idea of names is a part of that idea, these labels. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, late names seem to be getting, not, I don't want to use the word crazy, I guess, I guess more creative. And there's all these names, and for me, I am always very aware that when I'm, uh, let's say, doing a child dedication up front, if the name is a little difficult, I'm always conscious, can I pronounce that name? And uh, sometimes it's bothersome. And uh, I know when we were expecting our first grandchild, I was very concerned that they would name them one of these creative names that I would have to stop and think about every time I said his name. And so guessing that that might be coming and uh, Sarah and Joe were very secretive. They said they already knew the name but weren't telling us until uh, the baby boy was born. I was just concerned, so I started calling him Baby Bob. 
And uh, Sarah really didn't totally appreciate that. And I said, uh, you know, maybe this isn't something you should do, but I'm new at this grandfather thing. I said, and if the name is hard for me to pronounce, I'm going to have a nickname for him, and it's going to be Baby Bob. It's just going to stick. She said, you can't do that. I said, well, I don't know. Maybe I can. Maybe I can. I don't know. But anyway, it, it, it worked out all right. I, I mean, some of these names can, again, be very creative. And we have a couple oh, here. Muriel. Anaïs, Adélaïde, Geneviève, Frédéric. I mean, you know, I'm just like, wow, I was so happy. Those were basically girls' names, but I was so happy that that didn't happen. And so they came up with a name, and they went for a name that they felt sounded good. When we were naming our kids, we wanted them, I wanted to be able to pronounce them easily, but I also wanted them to sound all right, but I also wanted them to mean something. So Rivers has come into our lives, and they just like the sound of that. And uh, we haven't really shown you that many pictures. If you got the little Christmas card in your program, now you've got way too many pictures. We're doing the grandfather thing kind of thing. Grandparent, but uh, this, is, this is little Rivers. Yeah. I know that's kind of enough, but uh, he will be a pastor someday, I can tell. And just a few little more. There he is doing his thing, looking at the tree, uh, getting ready to go out for the day. And so anyway, this idea of names, uh, we weren't expecting rivers, but now when I think rivers, I, I see rivers. And uh, you can think about that when you have had the honor of naming a child or being a part of that process, uh, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of a wait. I remember uh, when we were having our girls and twins, and then, uh, you know, 18 months later, Mariah was arriving, and uh, someone in that process gave us, you know, one of these books that was 10,000 names. That was totally unhelpful. Please don't do that to somebody. Now you've just got way too many choices. But again, this idea of names, you know, you know, means something. And, uh, you know, they've tied the idea to Isaiah for rivers. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and the rivers in the desert. So the idea that goes along with this is that uh, hopefully someday as uh, Rivers owns his own faith in Christ, that he will be a conduit to pointing to Christ uh, in his life, and he will be a river to somebody else. So this idea of names and what they mean and, uh, you know, uh, symbols and, and all of this kind of a thing, uh, you know, is important to us. And uh, I don't know about you, as I was thinking about this, uh, most recently to me, this came to my mind when uh, the movie Top Gun was released this summer, and call signs is that same thing. You've got labels, and the call sign can be a positive thing or it can be a negative thing. His exploits are legendary. His call sign, mapping. In the Navy, every single pilot each have a call sign. Rooster, watch your back, Phoenix. You gotta move, Coyote. Who are your friends? Payback, fanboy. What do they call you? Bob? No, your call sign. Bob, literally. When you hear their call sign, you're hearing a bit of their history. Where's he going? That's why we call him Hangman. He'll always hang you out to dry. <laughs> call signs are kind of informal, social ways that we address each other. 
So as we think about this idea of labels, names, call signs, when it comes to the fact that Christ has come, that baby born in a manger, he is opening the door for all of us to own a different label, to be free from another label, to have a new call sign, in a sense to have a new name, and that new name reflects who you and I are. We read from Isaiah, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders, and they will be called, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And each one of those labels, each one of those names, each one of those call signs means something. They're just not nice words. It wasn't like God the Father was saying, hey, I'd like the name to sound kind of cool. Let's come up with some words that sound smooth and nice. And obviously we want them in Hebrew and all of that. No, no, that wasn't what was going on. These are names. These are words that describe how this child who would grow and give his life for us would live. And all of us look at those names and look at other names for God and God the Father. And we look at those names and we say, wow, that one means something to me right now because I need that in my life. Sometimes you and I need a wonderful counselor. We need direction. We need guidance. We need directives. Uh, sometimes we just need to know that God is mighty, that he's still on the throne. And we need to just settle into that idea or the everlasting father that God has always been and always will be. And the idea of him being our father. He will never leave us. He'll always be our father. All the good attributes of fatherhood. That's what he is to us. And then often we need the prince of peace. Seems so evasive. We can't keep it in our hands. It's like holding water in your hand or sand in your hand, and it just seems to kind of like fall through, and we need that peace. And so these names, these labels, these uh, call signs are not just arbitrary call signs. They, they mean something. This is the way God works in and through our world and in our lives. So names, labels are important. The breakdown for you and I is when we are labeled something and it sticks with us and it hurts and it holds us back. It's almost tied to the idea last week of, of shame or being a little defensive so we're easily offended. And there's that name, there's that idea. Maybe nobody else knows but one person, maybe intentionally, Maybe it was a slip of the tongue. They called you something, and nobody else knows it, but you know it. And if somebody hints to that idea in your life, it just grabs your heart. See, names and labels are important, but we can break through. We don't have to be captivated by those. Even back to Luke chapter 1, where you have Elizabeth and Zechariah, elderly couple, Zechariah working at the local church, the temple, 
Uh, we talked about this and this idea that uh, all of a sudden uh, he's doing the, maybe the once-in-a-lifetime uh, opportunity, working in the inner uh, workings of the temple there, and uh, uh, he has an encounter with God, and it's left speechless, and everyone wonders what has happened. And while he's there, he says, your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. And later on, when it comes to the naming of the son, Zachariah still can't speak. And Elizabeth, out of cultural norm, says, no, his name is to be John, not Zachariah. And everyone's like, <gasps> you know, because usually you would be named some connection to your family, your heritage, because you would continue on with whatever work that was, whatever lifestyle that was. So they would automatically assume that this baby boy that was going to be born would be, would be a priest. So why wouldn't he have Zechariah in his name? And they call him John. And then Zechariah speaks up and it freaks everybody out. Yes, his name will be John. And everyone's puzzled by that. Because there's a change in course, there's a change in direction. And the application for us, if you've said yes to Christ, no matter who you are, no matter what your past has been, no matter what you anticipate the future to be, God, when he calls you and you say yes to him as one of his children, he, in a sense, renames you and gives you a new direction. The past may be just amplified in a positive way, or it may be a completely different direction. And for John the baptizer, yes, he would be a person of faith, but it would be in a different direction. John actually means God has been gracious, or the Lord graciously gave. So obviously, Zachariah and Elizabeth are saying the Lord has graciously given us a son in our older age. This is a miraculous birth. But also we're going to see that John is a gracious gift. God has been gracious to those as he prepares the way for his cousin, you know, six months younger, or six, he's six months older, prepares the way for him. And that's a gracious thing. He gets people ready. He makes the, the way straight. We could spend a lot of time talking about that and uh, Old Testament prophets and all the connection there. But the idea is that John's name meant something. When Jesus was going to be born and the angel talks with Mary, we read, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. Every time I hear a person's name Jesus today, I'm kind of like bothered by that. Well, he shouldn't be called Jesus. But Jesus really is the name Joshua. God is salvation. So Joshua from the Older Testament, the one who led Israel after Moses, his name was Jesus. It was Joshua. God is salvation. Joshua was the people's salvation, in a sense, leading them into the promised land. And Jesus will be God's salvation, leading us into the promised land of eternity, a relationship with God through his gift of life and death and resurrection. So names mean things. 
Labels mean things, but you and I don't need to be held back by the ghosts of Christmas past, by past experiences, by the names, by the labels, by the call signs people have given me or given you. (laughs) I was thinking about uh, back in the CB days. Do you remember having a CB radio? 10-4, yeah, there we go. I remember I wanted one, and I got one, and it was in my basement. We had an antenna outside, and I could talk to a few people and trying to figure out what my handle would be, what my call sign would be. Uh, friends, older friends, decided that my call sign ought to be green boots because I had those, I don't even remember. Remember that everybody had those green boots that you know would go up almost under their knees for the wintertime, and and I wasn't always the most uh, coordinated, so I'd always be clumping around with these green boots, and I wore them like nonstop. So everyone started calling me green boots. That was my handle. Please don't do that to me. Anyway, I shouldn't have said that. It was actually my handle was wise one, perfect guy. No, no, <laughs> it was green boots, and uh, you know that that would that. That was there because that was a description of me. And when you and I say yes to Christ, we can be free from some of those labels, the funny ones, uh, the hurtful ones, and he gives us a new label, a new call sign. Because names hurt. Words hurt. That little uh, kid poem, what's it? Name, words, and name. Sticks and stones. Sticks and stones. Names, right, which is a total non-truth kind of a thing. Uh, Words can crush. Sometimes we would rather have been physically hurt than have a name that we're kind of branded with that we can't shake. And again, it's amazing because somebody who isn't even really that important in our life can call us something, and it sticks, and It could be 10 years, 20 years, 40 years, and it still is there. And somebody else unknowingly can kind of bring that concept up, and we're right back because that name, that label, that call sign has stuck. I don't know if there's, here we go, but I'll say it. When I was, uh, uh, you know, high school, and I was was kind of a gentle giant, and... uh, some one kid on the bus who was a neighbor decided that he'd like to call me Lovey because I was nice and and I didn't like it. I told you about being preacher boy at one time. I didn't like it, so I started swearing. That was really good. So this guy was calling me Lovey one day and I hated it. And I, I can remember on the bus standing up and saying to this kid, We're both getting off the bus and I'm gonna show you how lovey I am. And he wouldn't get off the bus, which was great because everyone was like, wow, he, they're scared of Dave, you know, and, uh, you know and, and, and he would not get off the bus. And he backed right down, and that was the last time I ever heard that. Again, not necessarily the right thing to do, but that, I just didn't want that label. I did not want that. So when you think about your life, you think about what negative labels have followed your name. What ones? Maybe it was a mistake in high school. Maybe it was a kid. Maybe it was something in college. Maybe it was something at work. And you just can't shake it. And, uh, you know, it's a name. It's a nickname. It's a call sign. But it just breaks your heart. So there's a little spot in your notes. I don't necessarily 
expect you to put this right down right now because you don't want anyone to see your label that you're dealing with or want to be free from, but what, what label would you, would you put in there? Uh, maybe it's something you just know. Maybe you've labeled it yourself. You continue to mess up in the same area, and you've labeled yourself that, and you want freedom from that. Whatever that may be, God offers us a new identity, a new life, and the name or the label changes because it reflects who we are. And we don't have to be stuck with that label, with that call sign, with that nickname. We can be free from that. You see, God has a different view of us, a new God-centered view of you. That label doesn't have to own you. You can actually replace it with another label that can own you as you move in that direction. Very familiar passage in 2 Corinthians talks about identity, talks about being a new creation in Christ, that you and I can have a new label, a new call sign, a new name, if you will. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. You see, what's true about you now doesn't have to be true about you later. You can have that fresh start. Sometimes I like the fact that I get a fresh start every day. I can wake up and I can get that fresh start each and every day. One of the passages they read when they were laying the candle talked about laying the pieces of our life before God and looking for fire to descend, the idea of God to show up. And I like the fact that I can lay my day, lay myself before him each and every day. And what was true about me yesterday doesn't have to be true about me today. What those labels were don't have to stick. They don't have to hurt anymore. Some of us may be familiar about when Joshua was leading the people into the promised land, into Palestine, into Israel, what would become Israel. They came across a city called Jericho, and it was huge. And they sent some spies in, and the spies got into Jericho, and they were helped by a woman named Rahab. And Rahab was a prostitute, and she helped these spies. And later on in Hebrews, we read about Rahab. By an act of faith, Rahab... The Jericho harlot welcomed the spies and escaped the destruction that came on those who refused to trust God. Rahab trusts God, becomes a part of the people, and for many of us, we would think that's the end of the story. She got saved from destruction, the battle, gets to kind of drift off into history and just kind of join the Israel nation, enjoy all the blessings of being a part of God's people. But in Matthew, when we read the genealogy of Jesus, we read this. Solomon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz, the father of Obadiah, whose mother was Ruth. 
Obadiah the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of David. And all of a sudden we see that Rahab is a part of the lineage of Jesus himself. Your past doesn't have to define you. God offers each one of us a future, a new day, a fresh start. No matter who you're at, where you're at, no matter if your background is you or your background's just been like this. Fresh start for everyone. The past doesn't have to hold us back. You see, God's power is bigger than your past. No matter what your past is, God is bigger than that past. So if you, as a seven, one of the seven dwarfs, were sleepy, and the idea is just not with it, just not engaged, you can have a new name. You don't have to be sleepy forever, and you can have the difference of character and have a change. Because when you and I say yes to God, he comes and joins our lives, empowers our lives, strengthens our lives, so the past doesn't have to hold us back. You see, God gives us a new name. Uh, Isaiah writes, you get a brand new name straight from the mouth of God. This is referring to the people of Israel. You're getting a new name. You once were slaves. You were slaves for 400 years, and all that happens in a person's psyche of being slave, generation after generation after generation, you can be freed from that. People have written books and watch how the Israel nation transitions from being slaves to being free, how they still live as if they're slaves even when they are free. Brand new name, fresh start. All of us gets a fresh start. And I want to tell you, friend, if you have been a Christ follower for a bunch of years and you're stuck and maybe you've labeled yourself, this is who I am, I can't go any further, that new name applies to you. You don't have to live the same way coming into the new year. God can help you change, help you grow. He can give you that new name. We see this happening all through the Old Testament. No longer will you be Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I've made you a father of many nations. And this is given to an individual who had no children, then takes things into his own hands, has one son, not really God's plan, the way that unfolded, then has another son. Doesn't seem like this is going to be true. Two kids, a couple more, it doesn't seem to be true. But God is saying, you will be a father of many nations. And we know the rest of the story. Sarah, right along with that. Uh, Sarah, uh, the idea that she will be, no longer she'll be Sarah, she'll be a princess of nations, the idea there, changes her name. We see this even in the Older Testament when it comes to the judges later on. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, you know the story about Gideon, some of us do. Uh, this was terrible to be an Israelite at this time. Uh, he is caught 
winnowing the wheat in a wine press. And if you know the idea about this, and the only reason I know the idea is because I've read about it, never done any winnowing myself, but you don't do it in a wine press because there's no wind to separate the chaff from the grain. And that's where he's doing it because they're scared to death that the minute some of the enemy sees them, they'll come in and take all their food. So he's doing it there, and the Lord shows up and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon's like, me? Mighty warrior? You see, when God calls us our name, when he offers to give us a new direction, a new name, he sees who we are going to become. You see, God takes you wherever you're at, but he doesn't want you to stay there. It's not because he's picking on you. He sees your potential. It wasn't picking on Gideon. It wasn't making fun of Gideon to call him a warrior because he obviously wasn't a warrior. Far from it. It was actually, I have a vision. I have a dream for you, and it's not to be this. I take you where you're at. I embrace you where you're at, but I have a plan to bring you to a different place. So Gideon hiding out in a wine press. I want you to not only call you mighty warrior, but you are going to be a mighty warrior. And if you check out Judges 6 and look around there on your own time, you'll see that Gideon becomes a mighty warrior. You see, God also offers us a new direction, a change. And even though the name may say change, but the actions don't say change, a new direction is coming. And if you walk in it, not perfectly, but you lean in that direction, that new direction will become a part of who you are. I remember when we went to the hospital for the twins, and now it was time to bring them home before we had... Uh, Brought them, there was a, being induced, so this was all planned out. We got there, had the babies, or Cindy had the babies, I kind of just watched. And uh, so we had uh, two car seats, and I, being, you know, pretty sharp at the time, said, I think I'm going to figure out how to put those car seats in now, so when it's time to pick the babies up, I'll be ready to go. So I read the directions and all this kind of stuff and got them in the car and up we went and it was time to bring the babies home and all of this kind of stuff. And, and uh, in front of the hospital, this was a hospital with like a thousand beds, so it is a big, people coming in and going in, parked right out front, you know, there's Cindy, gets wheeled down, one baby in each arm, nurses there, mother-in-law's there videotaping this. This video has been destroyed, by the way, but uh, she's videotaping this. And uh, all of a sudden, I realized I had not read these instructions very well because I was having trouble getting these baby seats into the sea, clamping, snapping, cracking, whatever they're supposed to do. So there I am on the hood of the car with the directions. <laughs> and people thought this was funny. They laughed. No one stopped and helped me. They just laughed and smiled and shook their heads. There Cindy is with two babies. There I am with the directions on the hood of the car, and people are just walking by and just, you know. So, so I was a father, but I had lots of direction to move in. Later on, I could snap those things in, you know, but uh, then I had the name father, but really wasn't great in the depth of my fatherhood. 
God offers you and I all a new direction. He gives us the name. He says, new creation in Christ. He says, follower. And we have all this room to become who he desires us to become, not because he's just trying to put some heavy things on us, but because he wants us to live the life to the fullest we can in this chapter of life. And God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciling others to God. That's a fancy way of saying he has given each one of us the opportunity, the role, the ministry to help others get connected to God. Sometimes we say to point to Christ, to point to Christ a little subtly, but also to point to Christ Actively, all of us have this ministry. And sometimes those of us who know about spiritual gifts and things will say, but I don't have the gift of evangelism. I'm sorry. You are to be a part of pointing others to Christ. You need to know who you are and be a part of that process. He's given us all, not a select few, the ministry of reconciling others to God. When you are following Christ and not doing it perfectly, but moving in that direction, you are actually an example to others. I know you don't want to hear that. You don't want that heavy guilt on you. You don't want that laid, that responsibility. But all of us are examples. The question, are we good examples or not so good examples? We're all examples. This ministry has been given to us, to all of us. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, through Jesus, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sin. God has given us, underline, circle, the task of telling everyone what he is doing. In high school, after I dealt with preacher boy, Lovey, all this stuff, later high school, junior, senior year, I kind of kept walking the walk, but I never said anything. And sometimes in moments of thought, I regret that I never said why I lived the way I lived. Some of us rely too much on, they'll just see it in my life. Yeah, they ought to see it in your life. But there are moments where God wants you to actually open your mouth and tell someone about what Christ is doing in you and what Christ would like to do in them. I never had anyone knock at my locker and say, Dave Spencer, you don't do this, you don't do that, you do do this. You must be a Jesus follower. Tell me about Jesus. No one ever said that to me. Never said it. They just thought, yeah, he's a good kid. That's kind of an oddity, but, you know, that's who he is. There's a time where you and I ought to tell. God offers you a new direction, a different call sign, a different label, a different name. We are ambassadors. We're representatives of Christ who carry the message to the world. There's also this idea, we carry it to the world. You hear me speak of this often, but uh, we're not to live in holy huddles. 
not just in this bubble where we don't go outside. You know, we kind of just go to our church, we go to our homes, we go to our work, and we just are in this holy huddle. No, we're to carry it to the world, which means you need to be engaged. You need to influence. You need to be out there, not in there. No one's going to find out. No one's going to come knocking at your door usually and say, hey, I noticed your car. You leave Sunday mornings around 9.30 every morning and you come back at 11.30. I'm guessing that's because you're going to church every week. Tell me about this Jesus. I, don't, I haven't heard too many stories about that. They just think you're going out shopping or something. I don't know what they think. Carry it to the world. As though God were tenderly pleading. I love this, tenderly. Not accosting someone being gentle, but pleading with them directly through our lips. This is Paul saying, so we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf. Turn back to God and be reconciled to him. We'll sing joy to the world in many settings. People who are far from faith will sing joy to the world all over the place without understanding when they sang reconciliation to man, it's just going to go whoop right over their head. But that is our new direction. That's a part of our rebranding, our new name, our call sign. You see, we need to grow into your name, grow into your direction. It's a growth process. It doesn't happen instantaneously. Uh, Peter is an example of someone who grows into his name, grows into his direction. Peter's name means rock. We see Jesus speaking to him in Matthew. Uh, Jesus is asking them, who do people say I am? Simon Peter answers, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. There's this mysterious part where God is speaking through you, speaking through circumstances. This isn't just a, a mechanical process that we as Christ followers do. We just do this, 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 and then they do this. No, God is a part of the process. God is revealing himself through you, ambassadors, representatives. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, Peter, you're a rock, but on this rock, and there can be some debate about this, was Peter the rock? I'm going to say it was the truth that Jesus is the Messiah. That is the rock. That is the foundation. It's this rock that I will build my church on, and the gates of Hades will not be able to defend against it, will not overcome. We grow into our name. We grow into our direction. And when we throw ourselves in that way, all those other labels, negative and maybe even positive, kind of, to some degree, become less. Because we're Jesus's, and that is our label. We are a Christ follower. Peter, not born a rock, but died a rock. And if you know the rest of Peter's story, he will die for the faith. It's legend, it's probably so, but when he was being hung on a cross, he wanted to be hung upside down because he thought he wasn't worthy to die the way Jesus had died. 
read this, Dr. Luke says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Do people take note that you have been with Jesus? Are with Jesus, regularly being with Jesus. Sunday mornings, once a week, a Bible verse here and there is not being with Jesus. Even just the other day, I had some details about Christmas, and I had kind of been listening to what Cindy said, and I needed to respond to another family member, and I started off my little text message. I think this is what Cindy said, but you better check with her. In other words, you have not been with Jesus, you have not been with Cindy, you have been not listening to what she's been saying. She's been speaking very clearly about these arrangements, and I haven't been there. I've been there in the room, but I haven't really been there. That's one thing. But when it comes to our lives, do people say we have been with Jesus? Our actions, our behavior, that's our name, been with Jesus. If you could call that a name, boil it down to being with Jesus, you know, some kind of name, would that be our name? Peter, not born a rock, dies a rock. So, refuse to let the labels of your past limit God's plan for your future. Refuse, have grit, have resolve, stand up and say, I'm going to refuse those labels of the past. I'm going to own my new label as representative, as Christ follower. Because when I don't refuse the labels of my past, I limit God's plan in my life. And heaven forbid that I limit God's plan in my life. I don't want to get up to heaven. I've heard this said a couple different ways. I don't want to be in God's presence and have me and bring me into a room filled with wrapped presents. And I go, what are all these? He goes, these are yours for the first chapter of life. What do you, talk to me about Jesus. What does that mean? These are all the presents you had ready for you, but you never unwrapped them. So here they are still in this present room all wrapped up because you limited your future, because you held on to a lifestyle, a, a past, and you never let, you never put yourself in a place where you're with me enough that you knew it was time to open up this present. And so your future hasn't been of what it could have been. Paul says it this way, I still have a long way to go, but there is one thing I do, I forget what is in the past, and I try as hard as I can to reach the goal before me. I keep running hard towards the finish line to get the prize that is mine because God has called me through Jesus Christ to live up there in heaven. Our eternity, our future, you know, the rest of the story, it's just not a heaven. It's a new heavens and a new earth someday. And so I forget the past and I move towards the future and that shows up with the labels that I own, the labels that I discard, what my call sign is because I am refusing to let the labels of my past 
limit God's plan for my future. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we are just so thankful for this time of year. We're thankful for all the richness that is around us. Wow, people singing Christmas carols that are singing about reconciliation and peace on earth. It is so close. Father, help us to be your representatives. Help us to embrace it. Help it not to be a burden, but help it to be a joy. Would we represent you well because people see we are with you on a regular basis, a daily basis, and we live out of being with you. And Father, if there's anyone here this morning that's never said yes to you, that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, would in this moment their heart be turned towards you as you do what you do, that you work in their hearts, and would they say yes rather than no? And Father, if any of us have been obstacles to that person saying yes to you. Maybe we've been jerks. Maybe they can pull up to memory a Christian that wasn't wearing the, the label of Christ follower. Would they be able to let that go and not let that distract them from saying yes and following you and celebrating this Christmas season, not as just an idea, not as just a sweet memory, but the reality of their life. So we thank you for that. And we ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful, wonderful name. Amen. Morning has been one that's given you hope and encouragement as you start this week. Johnny Bish are down front. If you have somebody that you'd like to pray with, come on down and see them. If you have questions more about how to get to know Jesus a little bit better or take the next step in your relationship with him, they'd be happy to answer a question or come on down and talk with Dave or out at the central uh, guest services. There's somebody that could help you there as well. Uh, if you'd like to give an offering, there are offering boxes at the back or located around the building. Uh, we thank you for all of your support in that as we seek to make a difference here, across the street, in our communities, and across the sea. We're so glad that you've been with us this morning. Uh, please remember that Christmas Eve service is here at 4.30 this coming Saturday. And also, there is not a Christmas morning service, but there will be a Christmas video devotional that is available for you on Christmas Day. So thanks for being here. Have a great day.